The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. You know, last week, um, we can just, we, all we need to do is just to be grateful to God, you know. Um, every team was awesome, from choir, I mean, I'll take them last, from CMM, church office, first touch, security, traffic, hospitality, you know, those guys that made the food, you know, imagine cooking that food for, for over 2,000 people. So let's thank God, let's give a round of applause to God. And to the special people, you know, to my left, you know, these folks here that are a special breed, God will continue to strengthen them in the name of Jesus. During the night vigil, they remain standing. You and I can kneel down and do all that, but they remain standing, you know. And the, the call to worship on Sunday was so awesome. I wish we could do that every Sunday. And it's the blessing of God over these people's life. God will bless you as in the name of Jesus. The best choir in the world, not just by, you know, by any margin. So this morning, you're all welcome. Um, especially to our visitors. My name is Jida Adela. I'm not the pastor of this church. So the picture of our pastor will show up in a minute. Please put up the picture. That's the picture of our pastor. Now, if you look at it, I'm saying the picture. I'm talking in single time because the Bible says two shall come together and they shall become one. So I can only see pastor, Pastor Bonain. So that's our pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. But God in his finite mercy has given me feel that I should be here this morning. I'm just one of these people seated in front who are meant to be, ser- to be serving. But I declare that the power of the Holy Ghost will speak through me in the name of Jesus. You will not hear me, but you will hear God in the name of Jesus. You know, it's always very dramatic for me. I don't know about other people. When you have to come here to minister for one, even to pray for night vigil. So last week Sunday, pastor told me that I'll be taking service today. And if somebody calls you and the person said, um, you are taking something next week. That's, that's simple, right? Is that not straightforward? That's like, next week is next Sunday. So when pastor said you are taking service next Sunday, so I'm like, okay, is this Sunday after the one that is coming? You know, I, I was trying to buy time because, I mean, I was overwhelmed with, I mean, you know what, what, you know what it means. And since that day, just like during the God do it again, you know, you try to focus and all that. So I thought I had enough time to, 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 I mean, to play a little bit, but my life didn't remain the same. In fact, last night, my wife was saying that, you know, you're so cool and quiet these days. You are not responding too much to an issue. I said, don't worry, Sunday will pass. And I will come with overwhelming force. <laughs> but I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not going to come with overwhelming force. I'm truly born again. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> so this morning... We're going to start with just a reminder, especially for the visitors in our midst, that last week, God did so much in our midst that, um, you know, when he seasoned of new streams, and during that service, God exchanged our pain for joy. He took our scarcity and gave us plenty. He took our poverty and gave us wealth. He took our shame and gave us honor. He took our sickness and gave us health. He took away barrenness and gave us fruitfulness. He took away bondage and gave us freedom. He took our loss and gave us recovery. And indeed, we have beauty instead of ashes. He took all the ashes and gave us beauty. And it's a glorious transformation. So we should remain thankful to God because it has been so awesome. It has been wonderful to us. Yes, we can clap to God. We can thank him. 
So this morning, we're going to read 1 Samuel chapter 1 um, from the beginning. Now, we've read this chapter a lot during the night vigil and during the God youth again. But it's usually good to read the word of God. You can't read it too much. So we're going to go through it and then we begin to have one on one. We're going to have discussion. So there was a man named Elikana who lived in Ramah in the region of Zob in hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, and son of Tohu, son of Zob of Ephraim. Elikana had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina had children, but Anna did not. Each year, Elikana would travel to Shiloh for worship and sacrifice to the Lord of Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at that time were the two sons of Eli, Ophini and Phinehas. On the, day, on the days Elikana presented his sacrifice, he would give portion of the meat to Penina and each of her children. And though he loved Anna, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Everyone that is taunting you, you'll be the, you have the last laugh in the name of Jesus. So year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the Patamanaco. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elikana will ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Once after a sacrifice meal at Shiloh, Anna got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as he prayed to the Lord. And she made his, this vow. O Lord of heaven, Samis, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son that I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. As a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound. He thought he had been drinking. Must he come here drunk? He demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but, I have very, but I'm very discouraged. I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again. And she was no longer sad, and the entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. And they returned home to Ramah. When Elikana slept with his wife, with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea, and in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him, she named him Samuel, for he said, I asked the Lord for him. Amen. May the Lord bless the reason of the Holy Word in the name of Jesus. You know, indeed, God has been great, gracious. He's been so wonderful. You heard the testimonies this morning, and there's so many testimonies. You know, God, God deals with us instantly, completely, and silently. So, a lot of things has gone forward. But however, the last portion of that Bible passage that we read, you realize that when, when Anna left that place, she wasn't pregnant immediately. 
But she had the confidence of God because God had told her all is well. The man of God had told her all is well. So she went by doing her own thing. She went to eat. And eventually she got pregnant. So this morning, we are in BT already. So the question is, when you are in BT, what are the actions that you need to be taking? There are some things that will take, you know, the gestation period. A woman won't be pregnant and to last nine months. So for those of us that are looking for the fruit of moons, the answer has been answered in the name of Jesus. But the gestation period will have to take effect. So during the gestation period, there are things that we need to be doing. And we need to, we need to forget about the anxiety because God has answered. The same way you are looking for promotion, God has answered. Having said that, the process will take place. The board will still have to sit, although they might sit quicker. And they will, they will, they will, you will be promoted in the name of Jesus. But that period... You know, we still have to go through this gestation period. So that we need to be thinking about. That's what we're going to be looking at today. And we're going to start. I'm going to take a lot, a few, t- a lot of time, well, some time this morning to explain. You know, what is the connection that we have? How are we supposed to remain in beauty and continue so that we ensure that all that God has done will remain permanent in the name of Jesus. I'm going to start with a story this morning, a short story, so that we will understand the perspective I'm talking about. There's a village, a little village owned by, by a captain. You know, the captain of the village owns the village. In fact, he owns the people in the village. You know, you can say that. And the captain told the leader of the village and said, I'm going to fly a plane over this, this village. And the plane is going to be dropping gifts and desires of everybody to, that is in the village. Now, go tell the leader, I mean, go tell your people that plane is going to fly over. I know what you need. I'm your captain and I own you. And I'm going to drop that gift. But the condition at which you're going to get that gift is that your spirit mind needs to be aligned with me. That means you need to stay within my vicinity in the village. You need to be available. So, and that's a simple instruction. So for, for people that, you know, a lot of us are very visual. So please go to my picture. I'll, I'll, I'll have a picture that I'll show you just to describe what I've said so that you understand. The captain is flying a plane and is dropping gifts. And everybody, he knows them by name, he knows them by heart, he knows the heart desire. But the only thing that you need to be available, and if you look at that picture, it's reality. Because some people have gotten theirs, some people are camping to get theirs, and some are still coming. And I put it to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that that village is God's favorite house. The captain of our destiny is Lord Jesus Christ. The leader is the pastor. And what God has said this year is that we are in a year of new streams. So the plane is flying new streams. It's dropping beauty for ashes. So we need to be aligned. And we need to stay tuned. So that is what is going on right now. So ladies and gentlemen, I put it to you this morning. The relationship between you and God needs to continue to remain. You need to stay alert. You need to stay alert. What did I say? You need to stay alert. So this morning, we're going to be talking about stay tuned. Stay tuned, which is stay beautiful. To stay beautiful, to stay tuned. I'm going to ask you a question. Please, just look at me straight. Just keep looking at me. Don't, don't look sideways. Just follow simple instruction. If you know the color of the clothes that your neighbor is wearing, raise up your hand. Don't look side. You know the color of the clothes that your neighbor is wearing. Raise it very well so that others can see. So you can see that not all of us. So that's what we call situational awareness. Some of us in the physical, we're not situationally aware. For someone like me, it takes me a while. I don't, I don't pay attention to a, thing, to a lot of things around me so much in the physical. 
So, but in the spirit, we need to stay alert. We need to be situationally aware in the spirit. That's what God wants us to do. So, in the spirit, situational awareness is spiritual awareness. So, in this period that we're in, the, we're in our beauty state, we need to stay alert spiritually. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, if you pull it up, it says that, it says that we're like soldiers, that we need to stay alert at all times. So, God, so soldiers don't get tied up in affairs of civilian life for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. So he's saying that as soldiers of the Lord, we need to be alert. We need to, be, we need, we need to pay attention at all times, you know, in the spirit. So also Genesis 28, verse 16. If you pull that up, Jacob, at the point that his life was going to be transformed, his life was going to be changed, he wasn't even aware. Then the Bible says, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. He wasn't spiritually aware. He wasn't spiritually at a lot. So we are required at all times as children of God to be spiritually at a lot and to be spiritually aware. Now, I'll, I'll give a short story on the physical awareness and also on the spiritual awareness. By the absolute grace of God, I... I, um, I work as an engineer, and I've done that for or in different, in different you know, positions as leaders and all that. And I design stuff, and we execute. And the form of design that we do is that when we're executing, you can't see physically. It's like you're here, and you're tampering with something that is three miles away, something in Jack on Day. That's what. So, but there's a lot of issues that surround that. You know, we describe that what we do is similar to going to war. It's costly in terms of human capital. People can lose their lives, and it's costly financially. So because of that, we talk about situational awareness a lot, which means that you need to be, at every time, those guys that are working on the field, you need to be situationally aware of your environment. Know what you are doing, when you are doing it, and how you are doing it. So it's a big deal so that we don't get people hurt. So the same way, so follow me, situational awareness. Um, By the absolute glory of God, my wife and I, we have two great, you know, children by the grace of God, and one is 17, one is 13, but when they were much younger, maybe like 8 and 12, you know, we, and by that time, we were living in another part of the world, by God's grace, as expatriates, so we used to travel a lot, you know, we, every holiday, we just go somewhere, so we are trying to teach these children on how to be, you know, to be financially um, wise, you know, to understand finances, so what we'll do is that when we go on holiday, we'll get an hotel that has, um, bread and breakfast, and we all eat breakfast, but then we'll tell the children that the little money you get when family and friends come, or when you do shows, that's what they're going to use to eat your breakfast. So, you're going to have to pay for, I mean, for your lunch. We'll buy breakfast, you pay for your lunch, and then we will have to pay for dinner. And then occasionally we don't eat lunch because we're out having fun, but sometimes we'll sit down and want to eat lunch. And once we sit down, these two people a little girl, eight-year-old, and a boy, 14-year-old, I mean, 12-year-old, four years apart, are extreme opposite. The boy is boisterous, extroverted, easy, I mean, very easygoing, run around, I mean, un- doesn't care about what goes on. But the girl is measured, strict, very understanding of her environment, wants, I mean, do things right, wants to, I mean, very introverted. So, I mean, he's not going to come your way, but don't come our way and all that. So when it's time to eat lunch, and we say, you have to pay for your food. My daughter will say, I don't want to eat. Because she doesn't want to spend her money. She said, I'm not eating. And then my son will say, oh, don't worry, I'll buy for you. She'll just bring her money out and spend it all. You know, doesn't care. And 
this goes on for a while. And then my wife felt concerned and said, I'm going to have to teach this little girl that it's good to sacrifice. It's good to help others. It's good to give out something to other people, you know, when you have. And then she brought up the story. They sat down in the sitting room one day and she brought up the story of Abraham and Isaac and said, you know, Abraham has only one child and God told the child, God Abraham to sacrifice the child, right? And, you know, so, so sacrifices is good. You can help others and all that. And while that discussion was going on, my daughter said, Mom, so if God asks you to sacrifice me, will you do it? And then she, 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 she got caught on her waist and she said, um, and my daughter said, are you thinking about it? So here was my daughter sufficiently aware of her environment. So she's saying, maybe these people are fanatics and if they are told to sacrifice me, they will. So I need to know if I, move to, if I need to move to my grandma's house. That's situational awareness. So she was aware of her environment. But a lot of us, generally, we're not aware of our environment. But that's in the, in the physical. Now, in the spiritual, I'll give, you t- I'll give you a testimony this morning, which is the reality that happened. This testimony is known to my wife, Pastor, and Pastor Lola, um, my, my HOD. So, during the God Day again in 2017, in October, I fasted just like any other person. I mean, well, I mean, I coasted all the way. I was alert. And a word of knowledge came forth. But I was not spiritually aware to that word of knowledge. And please play this video. There's someone in this place. You have been decorated with medals. God Himself. will supervise your promotion. When that word of knowledge came forth, I was here. But I'll be honest with you, you know what came to my mind? I just said, oh, thank God for all the people that will get medal. I'm probably not, I'm not one of them anyway. And there are two reasons I said that. I said that because I felt that the month before, which was September, had just been elevated at work, you know, being, being moved up a little bit. I mean, and it was a big deal to me. So I just felt, okay, what else is going to come? What, what, where is medal coming from? And lo and behold, everybody got their medals. I mean, my wife got a medal and, you know, she, she did an exam and she came second the whole of Nigeria. We had to go to a dinner. The chief justice of Nigeria was there. All the Supreme Court judges were there. I don't like those, those, those gardens, but I had to go because I'm husband, so I have to play family role. So I went, we had the dinner. I was happy for, I was happy for everybody. I wasn't, you know, so, but in during PPP, it was almost two months later, you know, the, the prayer uh, Pentecost that we have, power prayer and Pentecost in December, pastor came forth with the same thing. I said, there are some medals that are still outstanding that people are still going to receive medals that yours are still outstanding. And honestly, I repented there and then. I said, Father, if there are medals for me, I receive it in the name of Jesus. Lord, I repented. I became situationally aware, spiritually, and said, Lord, I, I, I receive it. I repent of my attitude. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen, with absolute grace of God, I come to you this morning and I t- I'm telling you that just about 10 days later or less, there about the 9th December, a, a senior exec out of the, co- I mean, who, who is in other part of the world, in, I'm close to the headquarters, sent me an instant message. This is a guy that is like two, three levels above me and said, um, Jire, you need to call me now. Instant message on my computer. And I'm like, okay, 
what have I done or what haven't I done that I'm supposed to do? So I gave a, I put a copy phone and I called the guy immediately. And he said, well, this is confidential. And it's true, that's how they do it. This is confidential. Your bosses don't know. It's only me that know and the people I up. We're giving you an incentive award. We're giving you a medal. And now, amen, you can clap for God. Without, without, without belittling, belittling every other people's award, but there's something they call mother of all awards, right? And that is awards that replicate, that can last a lifetime, that can be reproduced. You know, that, that's what came. So, if I was not, if I didn't, if I didn't alert myself back spiritually, I would have lost that. And how many have, have I lost in the past? Because what God is always the God of second chance, gave me a second chance. And that is how I was able to get that. Praise the Lord. So this morning, what we're talking about is that we need to be spiritually aware. Please put up that slide. Spiritual awareness, what it means, the, meaning, the definition, please put it up, is that we'll be able to respond. So being aware of what is taking place around us spiritually so that I can have the right responses. That's what we need to be doing now that we have gone into the state of beauty. So this morning, we're talking about stay tuned and stay beautiful. That's what we're talking about. Staying tuned. That's what the title of our message will be. Please put it up. Stay tuned and stay beautiful. Say to your neighbor, stay tuned and stay beautiful. And um, by the grace of God, please put up the uh, title. By the grace of God, my daughter has um, grown to be now to be, I mean, to be a good child who helps others. Um, we went to their school and our friends were saying, oh, now we know where Tanto got this from when they saw her mom that, um, you know, she's always caring. When somebody is unhappy, she'll stay on their bed for hours and all that. So the preaching of sacrifice eventually worked. So we thank God for grace. <laughs> so this morning, we're going to have to stay tuned and we're going to have to stay beautiful. So what are the things that we have to be doing during this period? And the first thing that we have to be doing is tell your neighbor that it's time to eat. Anxiety is over. Time to eat. Anxiety is over. If you go back to that first Samuel for me from verse 17, the Bible says that Eli answered her, Go in peace and may the God of Israel give you what you have asked of him. Think well of me and pray for me, she said, and went her way. Then she ate heartily, her face radiant, up before dawn, they worshiped God and returned home to Ramah. Elkanah slept with his wife, and God began making the necessary arrangement in response to what she had asked. Before the year was out, Hannah had conceived and given birth to a son. She named him Samuel, explaining, I asked God for him. If you look at that scripture, when Hannah left that place, was she pregnant? No. Was she pregnant? No, she wasn't pregnant. But... Because she believed God and she believed that her ashes has been turned into beauty, she went home and began to eat and eat well. If you look at the previous uh, sentence um, passages, it says that she wasn't eating. You know, she was sad. But because she believed God and God has done it, and when God speaks, his word will never return to him in the name of Jesus. So he believed, she believed God. She went home and ate. And her face I mean, became radiant. Let me put it to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Beauty is not explained by the word of mouth. Beauty is seen. You, you, when you are in a state of beauty, you are seen and people will see it. So this morning, people will see your beauty in the name of Jesus. So, you, so we are in a state where we should forget about the anxiety. 
whatever that it is, it was before the God with it again, it has been taken away and beauty has been given to us in place of it in the name of Jesus. So this morning, tell your neighbor, it's time to eat. You know, the examples I usually use that I follow is, pastor has said this a couple of times in the past. Um, we have so many campuses of um, GFH. Yeah, let's thank God for that. Let's clap to God. You know, we have two in South Africa, one in Canada, um, Ibejuleki, Ikoyi, Kalaba, you know, um, Ikeja and all that. And here is pastor, you know, overall ministering over all these parishes. So he will say that sometimes there will be calls from all of them and it will be so overwhelming that when it's time to go to bed, you say, Father, I commit all this into your hand because I know you are in control. So he wasn't living in anxiety. And that's because he knew or he knows that God is in control. So there's no point to be, to be in anxiety because you've come to the God with the service. God has spoken and he has done it. So it's time to just live your life and let the gestation period continue. And then, I mean, his blessings will begin to come down as we see in that picture that we, dis- we display. Another guy that really, really impresses me so much, I mean, opinion is divided about him around the world. And there's not a lot to read about him. He didn't write a lot of books, but there are just a few things to remember. He's George Bush Jr. You know, the father was president and the son was president. Now, quite a number of people say a lot of things about this guy, but one thing I know about him is that he's a Christian and he's a believer. He's, he holds... His, his, his value, his Christianity value high, and I respect him for that. So, for him to be in that position and hold that value, I tend to find out more about him. And there are not too many things to read about him. But if you have found out that really impresses me, and I collocate that a bit, is the fact that the guy, during the time the guy was president, I mean, we had two more, the Gulf War, all kind of things. In fact, the Gulf War, the first night, they had 320 planes in the air, bombing. And this is the guy who was the president. So, but one thing he does is that he wakes up like 5.30, and by 6.30, he leaves home for work. Gets there about maybe quarter to seven, I mean, within the same area. And then by 6, he leaves work, comes back home, have dinner at 6.30, and by 9 o'clock, this guy is gone to bed. In fact, the wife said she was a desperate housewife because she wouldn't see him during the day, and once she comes back, by 9, the guy was sleeping. You can say by all standards that this guy was the senior prefect of the world, you know, physically, because anything that is going around the world he, I mean, they brief him and they ask for opinion. But he goes to bed at night. And that's because he believes that God that is taking care of him will take care of, will take care of his affairs. So he believes in God. And that really impresses me about him. So this morning, God has spoken. His word will not return back to him in the name of Jesus. So tell your neighbor, it's time to eat. So the second thing we're going to be looking, about, looking at is Thanksgiving time. Ten, it's Thanksgiving time. Tell your neighbor, it's Thanksgiving time. At the beginning, I said that if we stay here and we should just thank God from the beginning to the end, that it won't, be, it won't be too much for what he has done for us because he has done a lot for us, so much. Luke 17 from verse 11. Now, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And he was going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at distance and call out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, and he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was the Samaritan. 
Jesus asked, where, and where, we're not all ten cleansed, where are all the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now, when we read the Bible, it's important that we take things into perspective for you to really fully understand it. You pray, God will give you knowledge, but you do a study and take it from perspective. Now, in recent time, I'm sure a lot of us have heard about colony, right? When they are talking about this headsman, um, cattle colony and all that. Colony just means an enclosure. And in those days, and up to present days, for folks that have leprosy, they are kept in an enclosure, far away from the city. They are kept, they are kept in a colony. So they, they, are, they are close. And that disease is from pit of hell. Because what it does is that he, a human being that lives begins to decay, even while you are alive. So it comes with a lot of smell. So people are taken away, they are put in isolation, so they live among themselves. It's a terrible thing and a terrible situation. And if you look at that Bible, it says that when Christ was about to cross the border, so those people were in isolation in a border. So that will give you the perspective. In fact, in modern day, when I mean modern day, in, maybe this happened in the last five or ten years, there's a lady in the U.S. called Beth Moore. The ladies, I mean, the women do a lot of studies using his book, and he's a preacher. Bethmore wanted to understand these scriptures really well. So he came to Africa and he went to a colony. I don't know which country, but the story says he came to Africa. I don't want to be like the U.S. that they call the whole place Africa, but I don't know which country. So he came, she came, a she, and she spent three days. She went the first day. When she got to the gate, she was tripping, she was throwing up. She couldn't enter the colony because of the smell. And she wanted to go in to pray with those people and also feel how they felt. She wanted to do like Christ. She was crying and she, because of the smell she was throwing up, she went back. She did it for three days and she couldn't go in. So that gives you the perspective that these people, what they face, you know, the kind of disease they had. And Christ said, go and show yourself to the priest. Just like Hannah. When Christ said, go and show yourself to the, to the priest, they obeyed and they began to go. At that time was when one of them found out that he was healed. It wasn't instant. It was at the point when they, when they started going. But that's, nowhere, that's the only thing where I'm going to this morning. So, this guy, on his way, he found out that he has been healed. That's what the Bible says. Right? And then he came back to come and give thanks to, to the Lord Jesus. Now, when he found out that he was healed, he didn't go to his friends and family. Because the first thing he needed to do, out of excitement, was to run to his friends and say, I'm out of this place. You can see me. I'm here. That was, that was the ideal thing to do. But that's not what he did. The first thing he did was that he ran to back to Christ to say thank you. I put it to you this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus said, were there not ten that were healed? Why was it that only one came back? So giving thanks is not optional. It's mandatory. God deserves and wants our thanks. Thank you. You can clap for God. So giving thanks is mandatory. It's not optional. That's why Jesus said that. And if you look at Christ, when Christ, every time before he does this miracle, you say, Father, I thank you because you always answer me. If he goes ahead and gives his thanksgiving in advance in terms of faith. So if we, I mean, for those of us that God has blessed us, we have been promoted, or we have that fruit of the womb and we're going to give back, the first thing is not to go to our village and tell that our uncle that they call a witch that, you know, see, I don't get pregnant. No, that's not the first thing to do. The first thing to do is to come to God and thank him. 
And we're going to go deeper into that right now. That you will, you will understand that, you know, it's when you're thinking that actually that your illness is full. Please go back to the passages. We're going to read it little by little. So Jesus was traveling. Go to the next one. And when he saw them, he said, go and show yourself to the priest. As they, were, as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back. Now, the first thing there is that he was healed. You know, one of them found out that he was healed. In Hebrew, the word healed means yata. Please, you can put it up. I mean, in Greek, it means yata. And yata means to mend. It's like to sow. It's like to, to, to you know, to, to patch. That's what it means. It's like to patch. And yata is a, is a medical word. It means that it's like patching. So the first thing the guy discovered was that all these bones that were cracking, that were decaying, it has been patched. It has been put together. That's the first thing he, he, he discovered. And then Jesus Christ said, again, in that same passage, and said, were not ten that were cleansed. That's what he said. He said, were there not ten that were cleansed? Why was the only one came back? Now, the word cleanse. Yeah, thank you for showing up. The word cleanse mean, um, can you show it up? I can't pronounce it, but it means katarizo. So now that word is actually katra. There's a medical term called katra. And what they do with that medical term is a, they, 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 take a, they, get, I mean, they take a pin through you into your, into your arteries and to remove impurities, especially people that have, that, I mean, they have potential for heart attack and all that. So it's a form of cleansing. And that word is a medical word, which means to remove impurities. You know, take away impurities from your, from your system. So the first thing that happened was that the guy was mended. And then the second thing that happened was that he was cleansed. So he, impurities were, take away, were taken away from him. But that's not where he stopped. So now Christ said to him, then Jesus, this is Jesus, he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. If you look at other, other um, versions, some of them said your faith has made you um, so your faith has made you well. Some of them say you are saved and well. Saved and well was common to all of them. And now, well, made you well, is in Hebrew means sozo. Sozo, that's the Greek word. It means sozo. And sozo means that to be saved, to be taken away. In fact, when, when a woman gives birth, they use that word sozo. It's not a medical term. Now, they're saying that you have been taken away from the dangerous situation. You know what it takes to, to give birth? It's like life and death. So, when a woman gives birth, they say sozo, you'll be taken away. So, what Jesus was saying here is that you have been saved from your dangerous situation. So, when, 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 when you are healed and you are cleansed, until you come to, to give, until you come to give thanks, your situation, you have not been taken away from that dangerous situation. It's until when you give thanks that you have made whole. That is so thanksgiving made you whole. Until you give thanks, the situation can still remain. You have just been cleansed. You have, I mean, priests have taken away. But thanksgiving takes you away from total situation. That's what that is saying. Praise the Lord. So when you come, that's why the Bible says, by the word of our testimony, we're made whole. The Bible is complete. Jesus that was speaking, it wasn't a mistake that you use different words different times. So at the end, when you come and do that thanksgiving, that is when you are completely taken away as in you are saved from the situation. Because those guys, yeah, they've been mended together, they've been cleansed. In fact, the reason they said they should go to the priest, you know, it's customary those days, the priests are not only priests, 
they are health officers. So they will determine if they can be accepted into the, into the society. So the, the, both the priests the priest act as health officers as well. That's why Christ said they should go. But in the process of going, they, they, they found that they were healed, they amended together. They found out that the impurities that is causing that and is taken away. But the situation, which is more like a spiritual situation that you are, because the thing can come back, it is when you are made well, you are made whole, that you are removed from that situation. Praise the Lord. So that's what Jesus was saying. So when we come to God to give our thanks, we're taken away from that, from that dangerous situation, we're fully alienated from it, and it will not come back in the name of Jesus. The Bible didn't say it, it wasn't clear that he came back for those nine, but I can assure you that it was probably not impossible to have come back because they didn't come back to say thank you. Praise the Lord. So what's the first thing that we need to do? I can't hear you. Time to eat. The second thing is what? Coming in, Thanksgiving time. John chapter 2, verse 5. Here, we're going to see that God, number 3, God is limitless. God, tell your neighbor, God is limitless. If you study the Bible very well, every relationship between man and God, where there are exchanges, that's exchanges, you're getting something from God, and he's giving you something. The limitation, that's at the point at which the limitation where it stops, is the capacity of man. And we're going to see it. So we need to know, we need to, we need to put that in our mind that this season that we are in, which is a season of beauty, where a lot of things are going to be happening to our life, we need to stay alert and increase our capacity to receive. Because God is not limited in his capacity to give, but we are limited in our capacity to receive. Praise the Lord. Now, the Bible says, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you, Nearby stood six stones water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremony, ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Now, let me explain this. So, because we, these are, we, we deal with SI units, these are metric units. So, a gallon is four liter jerry can. So, one gallon is four liters. So, if we have 30 gallons, is what? 30 times four, 120 liters. For those of us that we have generator in our houses, when you buy a 50-liter jerry can, you are saying two of that plus a little more, 20 liters more, is what is a... Is, so they have six of that, and that's all they have there that they use for their washing ceremony. And God said, uh, Jesus said, go and fill it with water. So they fill them to the brim. Where did they fill them to? They fill them to the brim. Then he told them, now drum some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where he had come from, though the servant who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Your, ta- your latter rain will be better than former in the name of Jesus. Now, in, in Hebrew, you know, at, at the first worship experience, I told them that in Hebrew, it's like wine to the Hebrews is like you going to a party and they are not serving you food. But during the, the, the immediate last of the service, pastor sent me a message and said, no, it's not only that. It's like you going to a party and you don't get jollof rice, you know. So that's the way jollof rice is to us at parties. That's the way um, wine is to, 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 to these folks. So if you have a party... And your wine goes finished. It's a big deal. Big, big, big deal. Now, if you come to Thrive, 
um, you will know this. And if you don't come, I pray that God will make you to come in the name of Jesus. Pastor was explaining that, you know, these, these folks must have been close to Jesus. They must have been families. That's why they could tell, the mother would know that their wine had finished. So, so if you go to a party and you don't eat jollof rice, even if you serve shawarma and all that, all the great things. But once you don't have that jollof rice, you, you won't be happy. Or they are serving it and it's not your turn on time. There could be 100 servers. You will complain, ah, the number of servers is not enough. You know, this thing is not getting to me. So that is the way, that's how it was for these people. But here's the deal. Please put up the scriptures. Here's the deal that I want you to take this morning. No, not that one, the one before. We're not getting there yet. So they fill them to the brim. That means they fill everything they have, right? Now, every container that was filled turned into wine. So if they had 100 or 200, it will have turned into what? It will have turned into wine. So the limitation is not with, the, it's not with, with God, Jesus, who is turning things into wine. The limitation is with the number of capacity that was available. So what we get is not a function of what God can give. It's a function of what we can receive. So every situation, when there's, a, when there's an exchange between us and God, the limitation is on our side. It's not on God. It's not on God's side. Go to the second picture. That's second Kings we're showing. So the Bible says second Kings 4.3. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flasks into the jars. Setting. Keep going. Anyway, so in that scripture, the woman went in, and soon every container was full to the brim. So all the container they had was full. Okay, bring me another jar, she said to one one of her sons. And there any more? He told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. The oil won't stop flowing as long as you have capacity. So God will increase your capacity in the name of Jesus. The time that this thing stopped is at the point where we. We constrain God by not providing capacity because God does not want waste. The oil will have continued flowing. And you remember the, the, the wealth operating experience? I mean, uh, the, the, was, the, uh, the WOS um, series, you know, when Pastor was talking about connectivity, I mean, connect, um, connectivity app. So the woman, all the, all the jazz that he could get when he got filled, that's when God stopped filling it. So what it means is that the limitation is not with God, but it's with us. But we as human beings, we are extremely limited. You know, um, my daughter is 13 now, but when she was 8 and 10, I think now she's a bit wiser, but when she was 8 and 10, she believes that dad, dad could do anything, and we have a great relationship. And, you know, we, 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 I mean, we talk, we do a lot of things, just as daughters and, and father would do. And then one day she saw a picture that I was carrying his brother, and in that picture I had a lot of air. You know, my air was full. And she saw it. And she said, oh, dad, you used to have air. I said, yes. I used to have a long time ago <laughs> before you were born. And then she said, I want you to grow your air. Please, I want you to grow an afro. Please, I love it. I said, no, I don't like it. You know, I don't like to grow an afro. She said, no, I want you to grow an afro. But here I know that I cannot grow an afro. I've gone past that. So I am limited for her to, provide, to give her what he wants. But with God, God is unlimited. He can give us whatever that we want. So the limitation, you know, is with us. And what, what I'm saying this morning is that let's keep our eyes open. Let's keep our mind open. Don't let us limit God. Because in the testimony I shared 
you know, of the um, of the award of the medal, I was limiting God. I was saying, well, I've just gotten this, and then what's the point that I don't think I'll get another medal? But God has much more in stock. So tell your neighbor, God has much more in stock. Praise the Lord. So what's the first thing that we need to do? It's time to eat. What's the second thing? What's the third one? So, 2 Kings 13, finally on this topic. When Elisha was in, in his last illness, King Joshua of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and chariots of Israel. He cried. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid down his hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, open that eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot an arrow. Okay, he shot the first one. Carefully, look at that. Then Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow. An arrow of victory over Aram. For you will completely conquer the Arameans at the Afek. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows. There were no numbers, right? He didn't tell him, pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground so that the, so the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times. He explained. Then you will have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you'll be victorious only three times. So God was telling that man here that there's no limitation with me, but you have limited yourself by only shooting the arrows three times. Because he was told, pick up the arrows. So you should keep shooting until all the arrows are finished. So the, 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 the situation there was that God is not limited in any shape or form. So as we stand and remain in this beauty situation, let's not limit God with our mind in anything that we do. And God will help us in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. The fourth thing we're going to be looking at is big picture. Big picture. You know, in every situation, we need to focus on the big picture. There's always a big picture and there's always a smaller picture. And as human beings, generally, our focus, our reaction, because we're very active, most times not very proactive, and we react, and that reaction is, big on, is, is based on big picture. But if you step back a little bit and you look on, 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 on the small picture, but if you step back a little bit and you look at the big picture, you will see that, you know, honoring God should be above everything. And, if, and we're going to look at it from the story of Joseph, Genesis 45, verses 1 to, 5, 1 to 8. Joseph could have stand, could, Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, out of all of you, so he, so he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptian could hear him, and word of it could quickly carry to Pharaoh's palace. Please remain there. Don't take the scripture away. Just to give you a background and a perspective. You know, as a person, no matter how spiritual you are, you, if you are Joseph, you, you tend to act, you know, on the lowly ground. And what I meant was that these are folks that put you inside a ditch, and then somebody pleaded for you and said, okay, don't let us kill him, and all that, and they sold him into slavery. And 20 years later, he's coming across them. You know, as a human being, you will relate and you will react on a low level. 
the first thing that will come to your mind is that this is my opportunity. I'm going to deal with these guys. There's no doubt. That's what I'm going to do. Because they wish me for evil and I'm here today. I have an opportunity to teach them a lesson that what you did was wrong. But that's not the way God wants it. So let's, let's keep going. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said. He said to them. So they came closer. And he said again, I am Joseph, your brother. In case you don't know, I am Joseph. I'm the one you put inside that pit and you sold. Whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourself for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be no, there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you, your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. What Joseph was telling his brother is that don't worry, it wasn't your fault. I'm looking at the bigger picture. God was the one that sent me here, not you. And that's what we need to be looking at. When, don't look at that uncle, they said is a witch, that, that, that's the person that didn't make you to have children on time. No. Because when you have your child, you'll be a better child in the name of Jesus. So, don't, the focus should be on big picture. Not, not, I mean, okay, now, oh, I was living in poverty before. It was my step home that, that laid the course and all that. Now that I have the car, I'm going to go to the village, but I won't give her a ride. I'm going to tell her, come and see, God has done it. You see your eye? No, that's not it. That's not, that's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to focus on, focus on the big picture. When we're delivered like that, what we need to do is to thank God and to let people realize that it is God that did it. That there's a situation in the Bible, the person that was blind and Christ healed, and they asked, oh, was this blind because of his, of his, fam- of his family or because of sin? And God said that for his, so that his name will be glorified. Joseph was sent to slavery so that people would be delivered of famine. So that thing that happened to you, it could have come because of a, through a man, but it's God that allowed it. So focus on the big picture. Tell your neighbor, focus on the big picture. Romans 12. Seven, Romans 12. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by good. So, Bible is saying here that irrespective of who you think that has done anything to you, but when the Lord delivers you, focus on the big picture. That is what is important. That person is not important. Bible says that we should feed our enemies. Now, pastor has taught us and said it several times. It doesn't mean that you have to bring them to your bosom. There are people that you can love at distance. You can send stuff to them, but you love them at distance. You don't have to bring them, but you don't have to hate them. I mean, um, MLK, Martin Luther King Jr., if you can bring that work for me, says that it's too much of a pain or, I mean, to, 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 to hate that he would rather choose love. Please, bring up that slide, if you don't mind. 
that it's too much of a pain to, to hate. That, but he would rather, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great and a burden to bear. That's Martin Luther King Jr. And that's true. You know, we don't focus on the big picture. Yeah, somebody has done something to you, but God has delivered you. So let's thank God that God has delivered you. Praise the Lord. And finally, we're going to read First Samuel, I think, 26. David slipped over to Saul's camp one night to look around. Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the commander of his army, were sleeping and inside the ring formed by the slumbering warriors. Who will, volunteer, who will volunteer to go in there with me? David asked Abimelech and the Hittite and Abishai, son of Zerah, Joab's brother. I will go with you, Abishai replied. So David and Abishai went right into Saul's camp and found him asleep with his spear stuck in the ground beside his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying asleep around him. God has surely handed your enemy over to you this time. Abishai whispered to David, let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of despair. I won't need to strike twice. No, David said, don't kill him. For who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Surely the Lord will strike Saul down someday or he will die of old age or, or in battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one he has anointed, but takes despair and that jug of water beside his head, and then let's get out of here. Here is David. Saul has been trying to kill him. If you don't, I mean, if you read, we read the Bible very well. He had the opportunity at least two times. He didn't kill him. He's saying that I cannot kill God's anointed. Who is David honoring? God Almighty. David is focusing on big picture. He's not acting on his own man. As a man, he's saying I cannot kill him because God anointed him. So when you focus on big picture, you honor God. So focusing on big pictures honors God. Please put that up. So what we need to do is to focus on big picture at all times. One time, David went into a cave and he, he found um, Saul asleep in the cave. So he cut the hems of his garment, just cut a little bit out of his clothes. And when, when, when Saul was awake, he was taunting him. But he refused to kill him because he didn't want to offend God. He was focusing on his big picture. So this morning, what's the first thing that we talk about? Time to eat. Second thing? I can't hear. Thanksgiving time. And the third one? God is limited. And the fourth one? The big picture. Finally, we're going to talk about spiritual vitamins. You know, generally people, um, most people take vitamins on a regular daily basis. And there's nothing wrong with that. When I was in school, they used to send me folic acid especially towards the exam, so that I don't get fagged out, I don't get sick. And so you take, you take vitamins on a daily basis. So also we take spiritual vitamins. And I hope that we're taking our fresh fires. You know, those are, those are our first spiritual vitamins. And there's other ones. So let's clap a God for that fresh fire because it's awesome. There's, I mean, I, the way I read it, so that, because there are too many things coming at the time, when I'm reading today, I'll go back and read yesterday's own then I'll read tomorrow's own. So that way, I tend to read every one at least twice, you know. So those are spiritual vitamins. But also, just like in the physical world, you take um, tablets when you, you don't feel well. You take, you take physical tablets for when you don't feel well. The Bible says J- David encouraged himself in the Lord. So David had to take a tablet. 
So that encouraged me at that point of issues. That was when he came back from war and they've taken away all his people. He encouraged himself in war. That was the, that was the spiritual tablet. It wasn't vitamin because he wasn't just doing it. So that's the spiritual tablet. So the question is, what are the spiritual tablets that you have? I have a few things I've documented, or some of the, some of the fresh fires. I just put them in another note and I'll study them. So when you get into serious situations, what you should do, especially in this time of beauty, so that you don't get discouraged, is to take spiritual tablets. And I'll share one of the ones I take with you. We have a lot of resources, a lot of teaching that has gone here and you can download them on iCloud. They are free. You can clip them and just listen to a portion or you can listen to the entire one. But it's not the time that you have the issue that you begin to search for them. You should have them handy. That when something happens, you just pick it up. It's not that time you're going to go into the Bible and be searching that, oh, what does the Bible say about healing? You should have those tablets with you. So this morning, I'm going to share one of such with you. Please put up that video. It's because we know that we have a home in heaven that makes us forbear, forgive, love, invite, compel, persuade. It's because of eternity. It's because of that view. There's a story of a lady, Florence Chadwick. She's the first woman to swim the English Channel in history. And she decided to swim from Catalina Highland in the shore of California to California. Now, that distance about 34 kilometers of the Pacific Ocean. A woman swimming 34 kilometers of the Pacific Ocean. After swimming for 16 hours in the cold water, her bones were shaking. She said, she couldn't continue anymore. And it was foggy. It was really foggy. So she couldn't even see where she was going. Obviously, they would be following her with a boat. So she said she couldn't continue anymore. So she gave up and she climbed on the boat. She climbed on the boat only for her to discover that she was only two kilometers away from the shore. She had swam 32 kilometers. She was only two kilometers. But of course, she couldn't see the shore. So obviously she was sad. And a few years passed and she came and she said she wanted to swim it again. And she swam it and got to the shore of California in record time. And during the interview, they were asking her, when you got to that 32nd kilometer mark, didn't you feel the way you felt? She says she felt exactly the same way. Her bones were giving up. Her fingers were all numb. She says, but I kept the picture of the shore before me. I knew it was just two kilometers away. I knew that this is how it looks like. And I kept the picture before me. And she finished in record time. David is saying to you and I, I keep the picture of my house in heaven before me so I don't give up you will have opportunities to give up you will have opportunities to back down if you keep in mind how much God loves you 
and you allow goodness and mercy to keep you going until you see Jesus in glory, you will make it. Even if your circumstances are hard, you will discover that your God is good. And like that woman, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I have an eternal view forever. Yeah, give it up to God. You can clap. So every one of us needs to have something you can go and read. Something you can go and listen to. You know, that's just one of so many spiritual blessings that I have that I keep. That, you know, there are times that you fear yeah, it will come. You are in beauty, but to remain in beauty when issues come, there are spiritual blessings that you need to go. About two years ago, this stuck in my brain, stuck in my memory. Pastor stood here and said that there's a guy in the U.S. Um, he probably has a congregation of about between 10 and 20,000, I can't remember. And God, and Pastor blessed him. He gave him some, some money. or some, He gave him something. And the guy wrote a note. A note of word of prophecy and a note, a note of word of encouragement. And Pastor said that note, he keeps it on his study. That when, when it's time to take a spiritual tablet, he didn't say that, but he said when it's time that he needs encouragement, I call that spiritual tablet. He goes and he looks at that note and he says, God is in heaven. This has been said about me. So today, I'm encouraging you when you go home, I mean, we've had a lot of series, especially this year. You know, year on year, it's getting better and better. Go back, take some of those materials, take one of those messages, and keep them aside so that when, when you need the spiritual tablet, you have something that you can follow. And if you are here this morning, you know, you're wondering, you know, how am I going to even be part of this? All this thing they are talking about. Please, as we bow down our head and close our eyes, if you're here, you have never heard of, you know, being born again, or you haven't given your life to Christ, please bow our head. let's bow down our heads and close our eyes. You've never given your life to Christ. You've never been born again. And you're wondering, how am I going to be part of this? God is ever near. He's always available. As we heard, limitation to receive is on, us, is on our part. It's not on God. So if you're here this morning and you want to be part of this, quickly, you're not going to be called to come out. I just want you to raise up your hand where you are that I want to give my life to Christ. Or you have been born again before. You, you have to raise it up very well for me to see. You are not coming out. We're just going to pray with you. Our Anusha is going to give a card. Give a card. Give you a card. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to. I want to go back to God. Or you have given your life to Christ and you've you've turned back. I want to go back to God. Please raise up your hand. Raise, raise it very well so that I can see you. Raise it very well so that I can see you. Yeah, I can see you, my sister. God bless you. As you take the card, begin to say in your mind, and Lord, you have come. You know, God sees you. Raise your hand very well so that others can see you. God sees you. Others are not seeing you. But God that sees you will bring you forth in the name of Jesus. The power of God is there. It's for everyone. Lord, so this morning, one more round, finally, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to go back to God. Or I've given my life to Christ and I've, I've backslidden. I've gone away. But I want to come back so that I can stay in this beauty that is ongoing. Take the card. We're going to pray. Father, we thank you because your word stands forever. We give you praise. It's because of these ones, because of us, that the blood of Christ was shed on Calvary. 
all these words that have come to you, they will remain in the name of Jesus. Father, you will take your mind, you take their heart, they will be with you in the name of Jesus. They will not be lost in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we are praying. Praise the Lord.